Hello and welcome to another edition of the McYappin Fries Movie Podcast. I'm Ian. Hi, and I'm Gavin. And today, continuing our COVID-19 stay-at-home classic movie rewatch, we're taking a look at 1982's Poltergeist by Toby Hooper and produced by Steven Spielberg, slash directed by Steven Spielberg, apparently, right? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's up for debate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, uh, there's stories to support both, both theories. Uh, however, it... It does seem quite clear that, um, you know, even if Toby Hooper was the real director of the film, um, Steven, Spiel Steven Spielberg's, uh, you know, fingerprints are all over this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, all of, and most of the uh, reports, even, even the people that they spoke to that said, no, Toby was the real director, even they said, like, Spielberg was always there. And, yeah. um, it's a good producer's job, though, isn't it? It's not always good for the producer to be there every single day, especially if the producer is also um, the guy who came up with the story. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, by all accounts, like uh, Toby Hooper was very involved in, was very heavily involved in pre-production, and you know he set up all of the shots and he blocked the cast. Um, but you know then you also have uh, these these sort of quotes from Steven Spielberg saying, you know, that, you know, Toby, Toby Hooper is not really a, a take charge kind of guy. And sometimes I'd have to go in and do some stuff. And then also, um, uh, Zelda Rubin, Rubenstein, mm -hmm. uh, who, who plays, um, Tangina. Yeah. Great role. Um, but I didn't see this interview, but I heard of this, I heard this interview saying that she worked on the film for like five or six days. Mm -hmm. Um, and according to her, uh, Steven Spielberg directed her throughout all of those six days. <laughs> but then there are other accounts from other cast members saying, I don't know why she said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, Toby Hooper is passed on. So, I mean, like, I choose to believe that it was a healthy collaboration and that because there are certain things, I mean, especially if you're familiar with Toby Hooper's work and, I, you know, uh, I... I don't think there's a horror fan out there that, that doesn't love the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And, mm -hmm. and there are shots in Poltergeist that if you're a Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan, you can, you can see that the, that's, that's a Toby Hooper shot. He set that shit, he set that shit up. Like one of, the, uh, one of the early ones in the film was uh, like when, that, when, um, when, that, when one of Craig T. Nelson's friends is uh, cycling with a case of beer. Do you know who that is? Do you know who that is? Who? That's that's Hitchcock from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh shit! Yes, <laughs> I was wondering if I should tell you in advance. It's literally, com completely like coincidental. Somebody shared that on Twitter last week, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh shit! That's amazing. Get focus, boys. Here I come, that's and it stays perfectly, perfectly in character with the Hitchcock character. That's amazing. <laughs> You know, but like I was cracking up with, with that horrible prank that those kids played on with the fuck, oh, yeah. with, with the fucking shits. with the fucking remote control cars, because <laughs> that because that looked like it had to hurt. Yeah, that had and, that uh, had to hurt. And then the shot of the, um, you know, because like because so, the beer cans go flying all over the place and some of the cans get pierced and there's beer flying everywhere and and they smash into the toy cars. That shot, yeah. the framing, the framing of that shot is very similar to the, uh, the dead armadillo uh, by the roadside shot in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so I was um, pretty impressed by that. Because so much has been said about this movie now, and there's been so much, so much back and forth about who really directed it and who did what. Mm. 
that it's impossible to watch it now without without thinking like, huh, oh, well, that seems pretty Spielbergish. Uh, yeah. But but uh, and it's unfortunate that Spielberg is just so much more well-known in general and his movies mm. are more well-known and his style and the, the tone of his movies and the feel of his movies um, is so... So many, more pe- so many more people are familiar with it and not enough people are actually very familiar with uh, Toby Hooper's style. So it was interesting yeah. to try and sort of look at... Um, it was interesting to, to sort of notice shots like that and go, that's very Texas Chainsaw. Because um, yeah. I, I noticed the opposite, which is like so many of the, the shots of the... Uh, suburbs and the housing estates and stuff like that feel even the driveway it feels like a similar house to the house from et with the steep driveway it's a it has a very very amblin feel to it uh especially you know with the um the opening credits the opening credits feels like a fucking amblin movie um it just feels total spielberg um, the Star Spangled Banner. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, and hearing that opening was just like, and seeing the dog go through the house. The dog's a great actor. Yeah, and just I was like, this this, this family's pretty messy, you know. Craig T's got his food on the floor, and then there's the the son with the bag of crisps in the bed that the dog just leaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the crisps are there, but the bag is gone. Yeah, actually, you think about it, the '80s was a great time for uh, for dogs, dog actors, canine actors. Oh, yeah. You had uh, well, you had you had Poltergeist. You had um, Benji. You had Benji. You had the Thing. You had uh, Lost Boys. The Nook. Yep. You had Canine. <laughs> <laughs> you had you had Turner and Hooch coming in at the end, right? <laughs> no, was was Turner and Hooch? I think yeah, Turner and Hooch was '89. Yeah. I'm it, thinking so. I'm not 100 percent sure. '88 or '89. Yeah, it was it was the decade of dogs, decade of canine actors. <laughs> But um, yeah, you want to give out? You want to give out about the plot really quick? <laughs> <laughs> give out the plot. Well, yeah, it's uh, in uh, in Cuesta Verde. I presume was it California or somewhere? I don't know. Did they say where the state was? It it feels very California. It it, it looks very. Uh, it it has a yeah. It looks very California. Very yeah. very and, very uh, Van Nuys kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Craig T. Nelson, and I'm only going to refer to him as Craig T. or Coach for the duration of this because it doesn't matter what his name is. He's Craig T. or Coach. Uh, and his family, including Joe Beth Williams, have uh, they've been living in this home a while, but it looks at things, the daughter has been uh, born there. And after a storm and some stuff, some weird stuff starts happening around the house, and their daughter, Carol Ann, disappears into the TV. Yep. And re-watching it again, it is an odd, like, it doesn't feel like a horror movie until certain spots. Mm. Yeah, I know. Like, I... initially... Yeah, go like on. Initially, initially, it's very like, you know, it's a fun thing. The TV pe- these TV people, as Caroline calls them, like, you know, the mother is getting, she's putting Caroline on a spot on the floor and she'll be moved across the floor so many feet and stuff like that. And like the chairs are being stacked and it's kind of playful for a bit, but it, very, it turns dark very quick. I mean, that's, that's a little playful, but even before then, before it even goes into the opening sequence, the, uh, the opening credits, when you have, uh, it's one of the creepiest openings to a, to a movie ever, as far as I'm concerned. Where what that that fucking clown? No, I mean not not the clown. I mean the clown is creepy. Um, where you know the, the, there's no more pr- there's no more TV programming. You have the Star Spangled Banner, and then uh, and then it's static, and you know like the camera is just slowly creeping around the house, and then you know and then and then um, what's the little kid's name again? Mar- Carrie Ann. Caroline. 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 
Carol Ann wakes up, goes downstairs to the TV and just starts talking to the fucking TV. Like, that's yeah. creepy shit. Uh, <laughs> and that's, it's one of the creepiest openings to a film I think I've ever seen. And this is before the opening credits. So there's no doubt in my mind that we're watching a horror film. <laughs> it's a little, I mean, it, 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 it does uh, have... It's interesting, you know, that the, the earlier we were talking about the opening credits and it feels very Amblin, but taking into account that... Um, that creepy opening and then going into that sort of whimsical upbeat kind of um, opening credit sequence it also kind of reminded me a lot of uh, Joe Dante's The Burbs where you have that oh. where you have that sort of like sinister opening where there's something sh something weird going on and then you go into the opening credit sequence which is around the neighborhood and the music is incredibly um, buoyant yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel at all like you're um, about to watch a, a horror film well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's up there with uh, you know Steven Spielberg's modus operandi for the '80s, which was one examining you know family units, and then there were when people were children of divorce, and also just that this like beneath the American dream and suburbia and all that kind of stuff that can be a, a dark character. And I'm sure it was also at the time probably interesting to see a movie set in that location as opposed to the you know the house at the end of the street or some kind of fucked up looking monster house it looked like it could be your house it looked like yes. it, it looked like it could be your friend's house it's not like uh you know yeah like you say like the last house on the left where it's like uh, who lives there yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean not like not like old man murphy's house at the end of the street the one you run past at it, night there you go but no i mean like i really liked when when these little things started to happen like with the chairs and all that uh it's it's just really simple shit really yeah the in the in camera Camera chair stacking where Joe. I mean, she goes over to the, uh, the 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 trash and just turns around. And it's not like I I was expecting knowing what was coming. I was expecting the chairs to be pushed out again, not mm. just the fact yeah, that yeah, they yeah. were like that was completely a, stacked. That was a that was a that was a nice little surprise, nice little shock, which I had forgotten about. Like I hadn't seen this movie in decades. Yeah, uh, it's been a long time, and I'd completely forgotten about the, the you know the chairs stacked on the table bit, and I'd completely forgot about the dog doing tricks. Like when the dog was talking to the TV people, like early on, yeah. right? where, where like you know the, like you know teaching him to like you know beg and like go and fetch, I completely forgotten about all that, and that was creepy shit. Like that was yeah. that was scary as hell. Just the the fact that the dog is doing tricks on the bed, looking at the wall. Yes. That is just and it has, brings the ball upstairs and drops it there, and you're like, what the fuck? Like I I didn't forget I forgot about that as well. And you just and got it was the, amazing. And you just got the classic white family is like, oh, that's peculiar. Yeah. Like, get out! The, the, the classic white family, watching this, watching Craig T reading a book about Ronald Reagan while Joe Beth is, like, rolling a joint, was just like, do you reckon, like, this was, they were, he, was the, he was the quarterback on the football team and she was the, the cheerleader and this is them settling down? It, uh, Many it years later? It definitely kind of has that vibe. But, like, wasn't he like, a, wasn't he, like, a competitive diver? Wasn't that one of the things that he was uh, talking about, like, in that same he was scene? Just fucking he was just fucking around at that point. He's like, I gotta be, I'm getting ready for the Olympics, Diane. <laughs> No, but that was another thing that was uh, very cool, is that the relationship between the two of them feels very lived in. Um, yeah. You know, before everything starts going to hell and everything kind of just descends into kind of chaos and everyone's just shouting and crying and all that kind of shit. Before all of that, where you just kind of get to see this family exist as a unit, yeah. um, I was very impressed by how lived in all of the performances were and how, uh, how, the, you know, um, how real the, a lot of the interactions were. Um, yeah. I, it was, it was, uh, I really, really liked the moment where, um, you know, where the mom finds, uh, you know, that, that Tweety has died. 
Yeah. You know, and then there's this big show and dance about it and like you got to bury it. And then as soon as as soon as it's buried, like Car- Carol Ann like turns to the mom. Can I have a goldfish now? Yeah, her face when she says that is yeah. genius. It's like, but I also love I love the mother's reaction straight away when the when the bird dies. It's like, ooh, ominous foreshadowing. And she says, "Ah, oh, Christ, Tweety, couldn't you have done this on a weekday when the kids were in school and she could have hidden it?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a, a really nice little moment. Uh, and the dog starts digging immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I love as well the fact that the the relationship uh, when Joe Beth Williams says to to Stephen or to Craig T. When she, he first comes home to see the, after the chair sacking stuff, and she's like, reach back into your past when you used to have an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that after that, like when, when the chair moves, and then he's gonna go, he, he, go, he goes over to investigate, and then he's about to step in that circle, and he's like, he moves away from it. He steps it. around <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> There's so many good little moments like that. Also, the worst, shittiest builders I've ever seen. Like, the guy's digging the pool. They're that terrible. Guy who's just like... The guy, the, she called him Bluto. The guy is just like he's in the kitchen window drinking her coffee, eating shit from the pan. There is he only he licks the spoon directly that was in the pot. No, there's some really incompetent people in this film. That <laughs> that, that black Ghostbuster is absolutely shit at his job. <laughs> but uh, one, if yeah, you're, this you're, is a, you are there, to listening mo- to headphones in a ghost house is like what the fuck? Is it not interesting enough that you have proof of life after death? You have to listen to some Stevie Wonder while doing so. If you want to listen to Stevie Wonder, that's fine. Can't you listen to Stevie Wonder and look at the monitor? <laughs> Instead of sketching some shit. Instead of sketching some shit with your back to the monitor. That's your job. The whole purpose of you there is to check the watch the monitor. One of my favorite mo- moments with him is when they're talking, when they arrive first. I'll get to Craig T's amazing performance before that. But when the investigators first arrive at the house and they're talking about like a, a toy car moving yeah, seven yeah. feet over the course of hours, something like that. And then they just open the door and you see all this shit flying around the room. And the next shot is just him at the coffee table. He's fucking chewing on his nails. He's chewing on he's his like nails. And, uh, completely and, freaked out. And, uh, and, and, the old, and the old woman's like a, is like a fucking... The, 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 the teacup is shaking. Yeah. And then the coffee pot just moves. Coffee pot just moves. And then, and then the guy's like... <laughs> and the, guy, and the, guy, the guy with the camera is like going to take a picture and he forgets to take the thing out. <laughs> he forgets <laughs> to take so the fun. cover out. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like little, small little uh, beats like that are really, really nicely done. Very real. Yeah. Uh, it's the same with, prior to that, when Craig T goes to get the, the investigators, like, you've given, you, you just, you see Carol Ann disappear into the closet, which for years was something I'd seen. There's that, and there's, I think it's Clip from Close Encounters, where on a videotape of fucking something that I saw, like, those clips and never put it together was this. So seeing them again and reminded me of, like, all sorts of different nostalgia things. But you go pretty much from... The tree trying to eat the sun and the closet eating Carol Ann to Craig T sitting in the interview, being interviewed by the um, paranormal investigators. And he just, like, he's fucked. Yeah. Like, he's just completely destroyed. And his performance wavers between that. Like, not wavers. Like, it's a great performance all the way through. But it's going through, like, intense emotional anguish and, like, trying to help out and also a little bit of a... not being sure about what the fuck's going on with Zelda Rubenstein. Mm-hmm. When they get the investigators in the living room and they're trying to get Carol Ann to talk through the TV, there's a shot where I think she says daddy or something first and he just comes up over a lampshade mm-hmm. and says, I'm here, sweet Pete, and turns it off. Mm-hmm. And it's just the look of his face, the bags under his eyes, the way he just turns, it's so, ma- like everything is so matter of fact. Yes, our daughter lives in the TV now and has done for some time and that's just how we're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing, like just the performances. Yeah. 
No, I agree. It's it's really really nice. Very, very grounded. Very. Yeah. Which and is, like him saying, him saying like you you're not gonna go to the press with this. He's like, we just want our daughter back. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. It was. It's always nice now to go back and sort of uh, you know watch these horror films from 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 this era where you can see a lot of the on camera effects and mm. even. Like, I'm really bad at remembering um, any of the characters' names from this movie. Like, it, they all just, for some bizarre reason, everyone just kind of like, like, Craig T is Craig T, Craig T. Nielsen. Yeah. You know, the girl is the girl. The ghost Carol Ann is Carol Ann. <laughs> Carol Ann is Carol Ann. You know, the black Ghostbuster is the black Ghostbuster. <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein is the house's clean lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the guy who just can't stop eating and he just like grabs a piece of steak out of the fridge. A comically large, like it looks like a giant plastic dog chew toy when he first picks it up. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that is a really like thick cut like uh, <laughs> steak. That's a that's a that's a thousand dollar cut of steak. Yeah, <laughs> that's like a really nice like New York strip. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to be that big to fit all the motors in it so it can crawl across the I counter. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Like back then, you think like, oh, that's how all steaks are. It's like, nah, that's a pricey no. piece of meat. <laughs> yeah. um, and when it starts to just fucking come alive, like that's genius. I love that stuff. I miss the yeah. 80s. I miss the eighties. You only get that shit in the eighties. Yeah. And, the, uh, and, and when his face is melting off and he's pulling all that stuff off, it looks. Yeah. It's Don't so. Don't pick at it. <laughs> it's it's yeah exactly. It's so. It just goes to show you that if your movie's working and if your story is strong. It doesn't matter if you can tell that the effects aren't 100%, like if they're a bit fake. You know? It's I mean, very clearly a puppet head. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe back then in the 80s, you know, watching it then, it, it looked real. You know, you look at it now, it's clearly not. But you don't care because you're already in it, you know? Yeah. As opposed to some films that have amazing special effects, but the story's not strong and you don't give a shit about anyone. And it doesn't really matter that the effects are good. Yeah. What I loved about this as well, though, I mean, this is two years before Ghostbusters, which surprised me for the music because the music sounds very Ghostbusters I guess they ripped it off the kind of the, you know the, the, the swelling tunes they have when things are about to happen in Ghostbusters before they kick off mm -hmm. there's an awful lot of that but the effects of like the hand coming the ghostly hand coming through the TV and going into the wall mm -hmm. the first time that they yeah, they yeah, come yeah. through the TV people yeah. and the the giant fucking head coming out of the closet at the end that's terrifying yeah the giant head coming out of the closet it is terrifying yeah <laughs> But those kind of, that kind like, of... Like, Craig T. That, Nelson's performance is genius at that point. Where it's yeah. just... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, right on. Spot yeah. on. That's what I do. That's what I did. And, and there's also and the, the fucking, weird... And that fucking the, clown attack at the end is terrifying. Yeah. But, but the, the other thing was the horse head kind of ghost thing that's outside the door when Joe Beth Williams started to get in. I think it's the... It's after the fake-out ending. Mm-hmm. There's like this weird long face ghost with like, it's very clearly a uh, maquette with some material on it that fans are blowing. Yeah. But, or shot underwater and it just looks fucking cool in front of the door. Like I love those kind of math. It's not even a math. That's a, I don't know, they superimpose it. What's that called? Where they stick something in. But it's that kind of effect where they've done it somewhere else and they just stick it in over the film or whatever like that. But it's just mm -hmm. composite, I guess. Yeah. It just looks like nothing else. And I kind of miss those kind of, like the, the electricity effects in 80s movies. Like the lightning mm -hmm. when the Terminator appears, those sketch, those hands sketched on pieces of film. Yeah, FX. yeah. I fucking love those. Yeah, no, they're great. The only issue I, the only issue I, 
The only issue I had with that sort of um, the the sort of the monster that you're talking about, that weird horse face thing, is that it wasn't so much the visual; it was the sound design that went with it, mm. um, like the growl that they gave it. The growl just didn't oh, seem no. to match the visual. Um, it sounded like the growl kind of sounded like, um, you know, like, like sort of like, uh, like, what's the word? Fuck. Like catalog music, like catalog sound effects. Oh, temp sound. Yeah. But no, I mean, like it was, it was great to watch it again. I, I, I mean, as it, it, the structure of it and everything, it's interesting to see because it is like so slow for a while. The investigators turn up and then it is like a day or two trying to get Caroline back. And then there's that. You know, Marty's not coming back, but I'll be back and I'll bring help. There's like, there's great lines like that. Mm -hmm. And then you get the fantastic Zelda Rubenstein back as the uh, psychic, psychic lady. And it's just, it's weird. The Craig T's performance from that point is like, he's like, she's asking him questions from upstairs and he's trying to answer her with his mind. It's, it's like, it's bizarrely this comical. Thing, this is the thing you don't believe in. Like now, all of a sudden, you're circumspect. Before this, it was like, your, your, your daughter's in the TV, there's ghosts coming, there's, there's, there's jewelry falling from the roof. <laughs> that whole stuff was very cool with the the portal and opening it. And like even the black guy again, Ryan is like you know when he holds the rope and or he gets the balls, he's surprised when he gets balls two and three. I don't know what he was expecting to happen mm -hmm. <laughs> after the first ball he appeared out of nowhere. Zelda Rubinstein's um, monologue, the monologue where she's explaining like after she's like uh, gone around the house and she sits everyone down and she's explaining what's hap what's what's going on and where the daughter is and. And the beast that's yeah. uh, that's with the daughter. That's an amazing. That's an ama well. It's beautifully written, but that's an amazing bit of acting. Hmm. Just it's a bit mostly between her and Joe Beth Williams. Like we're going to get her back, kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, everyone's sort of there, and she's sort of like laying laying down the law and telling everyone like what she's felt in the house. Uh, but it's just the performance. Yeah. It's incredibly creepy. It's very it's very powerful, and it's just beautifully done. I mean, she. She really acted the hell out of that scene. And, and it's like, but there's also like, you know, parts of, of, of the humor in the film that's just so unexpected. Like when she's talking to Joe Beth Williams, like a, when, when, when like holding the, holding the rope and everything. And she's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go. And then, and then, yeah. uh, then Joe Beth Williams is like, no, I'll go. And she's like, you've never done this before. Neither of you. You go. You go. <laughs> yeah, it's so fast. <laughs> You're right. I don't know what I'm doing either. <laughs> yeah. That was brilliant. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I took that note. Did you notice the thing as well when they talk about at the very, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but just this one line speaking of the humor. When they're talking about the daughter is primarily, like the, the older daughter is out of the story most of the time, staying at friends' houses or, you know, the teenage rabble rousing. The slut. And, yeah, the slut. And it's like, it's very subtle that she's a slut. Yeah. Because <laughs> the point where it's they like say, they're talking about the Holiday Inn, it's like, oh, I yes, know that the one. Yes, the one on the yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that I noticed, I remember that place, and she has like, like a wistful look. Yeah, oh, that's, that's where I lost my virginity. Joe Beth Williams like, what? <laughs> so what? Uh, is Dad gonna be like? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that kind of humor. That was just, that was just like so quick and so smart. It was really good. And she's passed. Uh, but, and she's passed away. The daughter. Yeah, both daughters. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, she. Uh, like, there's. It's quite tragic. Like, same thing with Carol Ann. I mean, like, uh, just um, very, very tragic what happened to both of them. Mm. Well, because, uh, well, Carol Ann was, was sick. Mm. But um, the, uh, the daughter, she was um, Griffin Dunn's sister. Oh, wow. Um, what's her name? Like, Monica Dunn, I think. I, I could mm. be wrong. I could be wrong. Or Monique Dunn, I think. 
um, and she was in a, uh, a an abusive relationship, and um, the guy that she was dating just uh, beat her to the point where she was uh, brain brain she was brain dead. Jesus. And uh, she died like like a few days later, but she was in her early twenties. Man. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a lot of uh, sort of. I mean, Poltergeist is one of those films that over over time has kind of developed a reputation for having sort of a cursed history. Mm -hmm. But mainly surrounding um, the death of uh, Carol Ann. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because she is, like you said, that, that smile when she says, can I get a goldfish? And like, she, she isn't there for like the a large part of the movie. She's just on the TV, which is a genius way to get around child labor laws. <laughs> That is true. That is true. <laughs> did you ever watch any of the sequels? Because I didn't. So I did. The second one, I thought there was stuff in the second one that at some point, at some point I got into watching it and there's stuff in the second one I thought that some of it was in the first one. There's a point where Craig T. drinks uh, tequila and he swallows the worm. Mm -hmm. But the worm has like come alive before this. It's like it's eye open and shit. There's an eye open on it. And it's basically, you know in Evil Dead, Medieval Dead, when uh, Ash splits in two? Yeah. It's like that, but instead, like Craig T vomits up a ghost monster thing. Oh, okay. So, so, so Craig T is in part two. I think he's in part two. I think there's one of them. One of them has a creepy preacher, and one of them is in a skyscraper. I'm not sure if they're the same one. There's a moment in one of them where Zelda Rubenstein is lying there, and the, the, I think it's the older daughter comes up through her body, like smashes it apart. Right. Someone also, someone also gets attacked by their braces, like the metal sets whipping out in giant fucking things. Like there's some really inventive, crazy, weird shit in those. I'm just not sure which one is which. And I, and I have no idea why I saw that. I think there was a series on ITV or Channel 4 at some point. Right. But they were pretty creepy. And creep, but creepy good? Creepy good for me. But again, I haven't watched them in probably <laughs> 32 years, maybe. And, and even at that point, I was probably fighting sleep, staying awake that late. Okay. And I never saw, and actually... Up until just a few days ago, I completely forgot that there was a remake. With Sam Rockwell, right? Yeah. Like, if I think you, all I, like all if I remembered you, from that was the, the American football head. He has the, the American football helmet scene in the kitchen, I think, is the only thing I saw from that movie. Right. I completely forgot that there was ever a remake <laughs> of Poltergeist. I mean, I never saw it, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I just completely slipped my Unnecessary. mind. Unnecessary! Like, well, you can say that about most remakes. Um, True. But, you know, it was really fun to rediscover this film because it, it really kind of felt like I was watching it for the first time. Yeah. Because I had to. Although, did you. You knew the ending was a fake out, right? Before, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah. yeah. it was like, it's too early. You can see on digital how long is left. But we it, all know that awesome shot of the house collapsing on itself is coming, and we haven't got that. Yeah. The ending literally brings the house down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I loved it. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. Was it a trope in 1982 where uh, the guy Teague, who is Craig T's boss, is saying like, "Oh, we relocated the cemetery. It's okay. It's not ancient burial. It's not ancient tribal burial ground." <laughs> was that another movie? <laughs> um, there, there have, um, there, there have been movies where that shit has happened. Yeah, but I thought this was the movie where it was ancient tribal burial grounds. Mm. But like, nah, it because is just, like. It, it, they just it move, is literally just coffins. They just move the headstones. You <laughs> they, just move the headstones. You left the bodies there. <laughs> <laughs> like that that bit where she falls into the fucking mud pool, and, uh, and 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 she's with all of those corpses. It's like fuck. Yeah. 
And I, I like that, like, the ghosts are like, okay, we've been subtle up to this point. We're going to start throwing corpses around. But then they just go book wild <laughs> at some point where they're literally just, like, flinging coffins yeah. around the place. Yeah, it does get a little, a little silly towards, yeah. towards the end. Just visually. And then we get to, like, an incredibly... It's not a downbeat ending, but it's incredibly low-key ending. When they like, they just check into that Holiday Inn on I I seventy four, and the door closes, and then Craig T just comes yeah, out on TV. <laughs> Very nice. It's a ni- ni- and, nice little stinger there. Yeah, and just the camera just pulls away on the on the crane, and it's just like. Yeah, no, I I really really like that, and it makes. Oh my yeah, because is this where you got the pullback 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 fade to black? No, actually, but I was very <laughs> impressed by that shot. <laughs> I was very impressed by that shot. I was like, that's that's a cool shot. <laughs> If you haven't listened to this podcast before, there was a point in time where we did think that, well, Gavin was of the opinion that most films could have finished better with a pullback, 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 fade to black, right? Yes. Yeah. Not necessarily, like, just because of that shot. No. But just in general, I, that I, was your, your I, approach was most films should end five minutes earlier with that. Yes. I was of the opinion that most movies could benefit from ending one or two scenes earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair cop it's a fair cop yeah I, I still stand by that I still believe that that Wally would have been much better had that fucking robot not woken up <laughs> <laughs> that was the one that's it yeah that was the one where it came up first <laughs> yeah and uh, my, pro- it, it my it might have been better if he never went to the spaceship at all my proposed ending for Finding Nemo I know that that would never fly but I still I, <laughs> But I, I still believe that, that I was onto something there. <laughs> yeah. The dark Disney universe. <laughs> yeah. Like that shot where fucking Albert Brooks is just screaming after his son and then you just pull, <laughs> just pull back, pull back, pull back, then fade to black, end credits. Yeah. That would have jaunty. I would have jaunty too. I got a friend in you. <laughs> that that would have been a Gavin Yap joint. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, just to come back to one of the last uh, most like 80s things of this movie those shitty builders outside like the three of them are just like sexually harassing the daughter yeah and and did and you she, did you she, rec- did you recognize the builder it was uh, Billy from Predator no <laughs> was he it was Sonny Landham Sonny Landham the, was Billy from Predator the the next door neighbor Ben was driving me nuts but uh, the only thing I could see on his IMDb profile that might be someone I know was he was Todd in Police Academy Four. <laughs> okay, but so he has a, he has a face he can't forget. But having said that, the uh, remote control battle of the beginning was great. That was genius. It does no. also like ground it in a very eighties thing because like yeah. it doesn't happen. It's one of those beautiful little moments that like. There's there's certain <laughs> there's certain things uh, in this film watching it where it's like this is a beautiful moment in time because you could never do this now. There's no when, it, there's no equivalent. No, that, that guy, when they're watching the, the football at the beginning, what is that guy doing on the phone? <laughs> There's one guy, he's on the phone, and he's holding the, the, the receiver in his one hand, and he's got the base in the other, and he's just standing there on the phone. Also, they look like the biggest schlubs ever, that group of friends. Like, they do, Jesus. they do. They look like real they were, losers. They were picked on as kids. <laughs> but the one bit in that, in, that, in that sequence that just really cracked me up was, was when it switches to Mr. Rogers. One of them goes... Who the hell's that? (laughs) And and it's like, what do you mean, who's that? (laughs) You don't know who who Mr. Rogers is? (laughs) You fucking idiot. (laughs) It's 40 years later and we know who Mr. Rogers is. (laughs) That's like, you know, 
fucking Shahrukh Khan just like uh, walking into a restaurant in India and, and someone's like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who is this man? <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, it was, I'm, I'm really glad we did that. Yeah, I was glad to see it again. It was good to have a refresh. I'm, um, I'm curious to check out the sequels. Uh, I mean, I know that they're not going to be a patch on the first one, but it's always, no. it's always kind of interesting to just see something be, be forced into being a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, they got Zelda Rubenstein back for both of them. I, got, I think Caroline is at least back for one. One's in a skyscraper no, no, and but, someone falls through a mirror, which is fucking cool. No, I mean, um, I mean I'm sure there are cool bits, but I mean, yeah. if you look at Poltergeist, that movie was never meant to be a franchise. You know what I no. mean? It, it's the same thing most, with, most movies aren't it's the same thing with Texas Chainsaw it was like with, with the sequels and it just got ridiculous <laughs> yeah I, I just again completely coincidentally there was a photo of like the cast of um, Texas Chainsaw like sitting in the same poses as the Breakfast Club poster have you seen that oh yeah yeah so but I think it was the actual cast at the time it was like a fun shot and someone had tw- tweeted saying <laughs> people didn't realize Toby Hooper was making a, a comedy <laughs> I, just, I mean, I remember like uh, watching a behind the scenes thing of, I mean, we're going totally off topic uh, of uh, Texas Chainsaw and one, of the, and, uh, one of the guys that, it was one of these uh, retrospective documentaries, so it was like 20 years later or something like that, so they're talking to this guy, mm-hmm. and, and the way that uh, Toby Hooper had um, uh, blocked the scene, I can't remember the character's name, he was the guy with the shorts, he's walking around and then suddenly like Leatherface leather, leather comes out of nowhere and just slams him the down with a, oh. with, no, not with the hook, the hook is the chick. Um, oh, okay. but, but with, um, like just with like the huge fucking axe or whatever, it just go- goes, like, just like sm- smashes his head, cracks his head open. And the, yeah. the, the actor is like saying that he had no idea that Leatherface was coming out of nowhere. <laughs> like, like, like he had no idea. He thought like Toby Hooper's just like, just walk down there. <laughs> mm. And Leatherface comes, comes like out of nowhere and so when this guy turns around and screams yeah it's not acting <laughs> and they and and then after that bit in the interview they cut back to the clip from the film and you and you see he's like ah! <laughs> you know, he's he's fucking his whole <laughs> he's his terrified whole, he's terrified his whole life flashes before his eyes and it's all real I mean, that's the apocryphal story, right? About like they knew something was going to happen at the table in Alien, but they weren't entirely sure how or what, right? That's how the story is. I mean, people say it's like, oh, they didn't know it was happening, but they knew it was happening. It's in the script. They just didn't know how it would be realized. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know. you know, like how, in, in terms of how you want to block out a certain scene, you know, it's like if you're going to withhold certain bits of information, it's like you know that, you know that your character is going to get killed. You know that this is going to happen. Yeah. But wasn't it, uh, wasn't it, um, what's his name? Hans Gruber. Um... Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman was supposed to be dropped on three, and they dropped him on two into the airbag at the end of Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Which is why he looks so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that's our uh, retro review of Poltergeist. I think we. I mean, now that you're, I haven't seen, I think I've, I haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a long time. We should do Gremlins next, but maybe we should do uh, Texas Chainsaw at some point. <laughs> okay. Well, just just do all these like horror films during quarantine. <laughs> hey, none of the, none of them are. Um, they're all movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is outside. It's almost like a happy movie. You know, you have to go to where they are. I can't do that right now. Okay. Yeah. 
Gremlins is in a town. Like, Billy leaves his house and goes to the swimming pool and the fucking cinema and shit. I can't do any of that crap. Okay, yeah. We'll do Gremlins next. Well, yeah. Gremlins is the last on the, on the docket from the, the poll we ran. And, uh, yeah. We'll do, we'll do uh, Gremlins. Sweet. And then, uh, I mean, we don't have to do... What you call it? Don't have to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's plenty. Well, we can do it eventually, as I said, depending on how long this fucking thing goes on for. Well, I mean, Chris was saying that uh, they might not extend it after the 28th. I've, I've heard uh, different from uh, a source. Well, I hope your source is right. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it, we're all fucked. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I it, pers- it, it, personally, personally, I'm staying in lockdown. Um, I don't know. The if, rest of you can go if, out and get fucking all over each other. If if they if they uh, don't extend it and if it ends on the twenty eighth, yeah, I'm staying in. Yeah. <laughs> because people. Did you did you did did you find it weird watching? I mean, not only because of the coronavirus, but also just because times have changed. Seeing all those kids playing on the street. Uh, yeah, it was a bit weird. I tell you what, it was actually weird. Not so much uh, watching Poltergeist, but um. You know that there's a remake of The Gong Show with Mike Myers? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's, it's atrocious. But, um, yeah. it, As everything Mike Myers does these days is. Like, you know, it ends with this uh, sing-along. And it's a live studio audience. And mm. everyone is singing along like arms that. Arms around each other. Arms around each other. And I was watching that going, this could never happen now. <laughs> 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 like, just look at these fucking idiots just all over each other. <laughs> Just think, in, f- in five, ten years' time, we'll be nostalgic for when they used to say, such and such a show is filmed in front of a live I studio audience. Yeah. <laughs> Never again. Yeah. It's n- <laughs> not, now it's like, it's now it's, it's filmed in front of a live Zoom. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> thank you to our live audience uh, tuning in from <laughs> wherever you are. Yeah, you know, it's, a com- it's, it's crazy how much has changed in such a short space of time. Hmm. But I, I think I think ten years ago I had thought of I think I think I, ten more, more, maybe more I had wanted to write about ET and that genre of movies because when I grew up I grew up on a I grew up on a road near a housing estate that was like the ET one and like this one still being constructed mm-hmm. and like we would play in the uh, half built houses you know incredibly dangerous. Uh, but it, 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 it gave this kind of idea that those parts, because prior to that, America was like New York, you know, in your mind. Yeah. You see these parts, it's like, oh, it's just like here. The yeah. stories kind of transfer a little bit more. These days, like, it's been decades since people let their kids play outside on the street. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's true. Like all those jokes, all those, all those bits in Wayne's World, to speak of Mike Myers, where it's like, car, game on. We used yeah. to do that when we were playing shit on the street. No, same. I mean, I used to play on the street all the time. Yeah. Parents not once came out and you know told me to be careful. And they're just like, <laughs> well, they came out once about eight o'clock, nine o'clock to scream dinner, and then that was you just come back. Pretty much it. Yeah. Huh, well, that's been our Poltergeist uh, podcast. So thanks for listening. If you made it this far, if there are other classic movies you'd like us to talk about in our inimitable style, you can email us at podcast at magettonfries.com. You can also just send us suggestions for other show types if we run out of 80s movies, again, depending how long this goes on. Um, I don't have anything, uh, anything to promote. I'm going to put some articles up on goggler.my so you can read some stuff there from myself. Anything you can promote at the moment? No, not really. Everything's come to a grinding halt. <laughs> <laughs> you should go outside and play on the street. 
<laughs> I have been going outside and playing on the street. Like, uh, just look, look at my Instagram feed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Crumb. Is yeah, that yeah, a Conan yeah. toy? That is a Conan toy. It was, right? a, it was a Conan toy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's crazy, you know. It's, um, I put one up of uh, Saigor, you know, that, that from, mm -hmm. from Spawn. Yeah, yeah, the ape with the looking at the door. Yeah. And fucking Sandy, just... <laughs> Do I leave this in the podcast? <laughs> you, you can, you can. I mean, because, uh, I mean, there's more people who follow me on Instagram than there are people who listen to this podcast. So she's, al so she's already put these comments on there. And yeah. so it's like this picture of Saigor. And hang on, I got to look it up. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. Well-known spawn character, Saigor, who is a giant cyborg gorilla, right? Yeah, giant cyborg gorilla. Um, so, I mean, it's a back shot, but you can yeah. very clearly tell it's a gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy. Hellboy? <laughs> well, he has, he has a, a big arm. He's a, he's, a, he's a gauntlet thing on, right? Well, if you were a Hellboy fan... No, yeah, it's insulting, yeah. Yeah, and she's always going on about how much she loves Hellboy. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I answer her back and I go, no. To which she replies, Thanos? <laughs> <laughs> After I mean, that, it's that classic, it, it, it's that classic, it's that classic quiz show, Saigo, uh, Hellboy or Thanos. Yeah. So after that, I messaged her uh, personally and, and said, uh, stop it, stop, stop it, just stop, <laughs> just stop, stop it. it. <laughs> Uh, and then when I put up the Rango one, she guessed Rango right, and she was very happy. <laughs> that was a good. That was a nice. That was a nicely framed pick of Rango. I like that one. It's uh, well, I mean, it's been kind of fun to get back into it a little bit. I used to dabble in this many, many years ago, and then just stopped. So it's been kind of fun to do that. Yeah, Rango is on. Net, I think it's on Amazon Prime actually. I put it in my list of things to watch if you haven't thought about it for a while because I think it's a great little movie. I think it's a great. Uh, I mean, as far as animated movies go, it's truly unique. It's in. It's in a classic. Absolutely. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so check it out. Check out yeah, Rango. I think, I, I think, <laughs> and I think we actually did a podcast on Rango many moons ago. So that's we did. We did. Somewhere. We did. We yeah. Definitely did. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's uh, but, one of Johnny Depp's best roles. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. One of Gore Verbinski's best movies. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Beats that pirate shit. Anywho, that's the end of our show today. If you would like to give us suggestions for other stuff to do or whatever, again, it's podcast.megapenprize.com. There is still a link on there to the Green Room 136 thing. So if you're looking for a bag, order one. He probably needs the money at this point. Everyone does. Mm -hmm. And uh, support your local podcasters and bag makers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Good night. Bye.